part of what the work that we're doing that's so instrumental to our success is bringing the you can do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hymnscast. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News. We'll be speaking today about efforts to build and deploy a statewide health data exchange across all of California. My guest today is Timmy Leslie, founder of Blue Path Health and a leader with Connecting for Better Health, the coalition that is spearheading this effort. Welcome to me. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you. So to start off, say a bit about Connecting for Better Health. You know, who are you and, and who are your members? Hi. Well, we recognized about two years ago when there was some leadership uh, being or some some leadership out there, some signs that there may be some uh, energy around better interoperability, better data exchange in the state, especially through some an announcement from our governor mm-hmm. that there needs to be a coalition of organizations that were willing and ready to willing and ready to um, show their support in order to give our executive as well as legislative leadership um, the backstop and to be able to get over the finish line. So that's how the coalition started. Uh, We are connecting for better health. We have multiple uh, supporters that span organizations from health plans, providers, and I think really importantly, health advocacy groups Mm -hmm. that have come together to be able to, you know, really demonstrate the importance of being able to have not only interoperability in our state, but state leadership with, you know, everything that state leadership can bring with it, funding, uh, governance, compliance. And uh, so that's how we started. So a bunch of different stakeholders from both sides of the public, private. um, Public and private. Exactly. So you mentioned the finish line earlier. Let's, let's back up a little bit. I mean, so let's talk about this legislation, AB 133. It was, it was signed into law by, by governor Newsom. And it's it's a mandate. It, it requires statewide data sharing, correct? That that all providers in California participate in real time exchange of of treatment and and payment and and healthcare operations information. And and that's pretty soon. I mean, it's twenty twenty four is is this date for that? Is that correct? Twenty twenty four, yeah. So it was signed into law a little, I guess, about a year ago. Um, I don't think anybody really thought that we would see that mandate in place, but we have it. And then that kicked off a whole series of events that started uh, the data exchange framework, which is a also multi-stakeholder effort to um, develop a data sharing agreement, which was just also uh, published this summer. So that took about 12 months. And now we have this data sharing agreement uh, that will be uh, the, you know, the signing of all of those organizations to be able to say that they will share data when asked. So what are some of the uh, hallmarks of this agreement? Um, obviously, you, you guys put a lot of work into developing it and, and, and you know, ensuring that it checks all the necessary boxes. But what are some of the high points there? You know, um, I think in, in addition to the agreement, I'll kind of step back with the data sharing framework. Mm-hmm. The fact that the state pulled together these multiple different stakeholders to come together and find commonality and common ground on what they could agree to. I think this really speaks to, you know, the effort that went in the collaborative effort that it represents. And I also think that what's different from other states and other um, initiatives is that it's grounded on the principles 
So they started their work as the data sharing, this stakeholder group, the data sharing framework with developing principles about what and why we need this data sharing agreement. Um, so, you know, really being able to dig into the equity issues, being able to highlight that, that that's really why we're, why we're here at the table to be better about how we make decision-making, how we can treat the whole person. Um, so that those, those guiding principles, I think is really different about and what helped us to be very successful. Um, the data sharing agreement, I think is one of those 80%, it's good enough, I think, to get us on the right track, but there's a lot of work to do. So there's, in addition to having that data sharing agreement that I think, you know, the stakeholders are expecting to sign, there's a whole initiative that's just getting kicked off here in September that will be focused on developing policies and procedures, kind of really getting into the fine print. And I think as a stakeholder group with Connecting for Better Health, we recognize very early that there's, you know, a lot of holes um, that need to be plugged. So we need compliance, we need governance, we need some carrots and sticks, we need incentives, um, you know, and then also uh, what what happens if you don't sign the agreement. So that's where our focus will be over the next coming months. Okay. So I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening to this might be saying, you know, what's the big deal? You know, my hospital has been connected with my state HIE for, you know, 10 years now. Why why is California, who's normally such a leader in this stuff, you know, kind of behind here? But there are HIEs in California. You know, what what is the landscape there in terms of health information exchange? You know, the the verb and, and the noun, let's say. No, I love it. I love because usually when we say HIE, everybody goes right right away to this kind of statewide data utility um, that California just hasn't been able to manifest it into that kind of a geog, you know, that kind of geography. Um, I think one of that is one point is that it's just so big. We're so large Uh, and data exchange is incredibly local. Uh, And I think we all know that. And so we have just lots of different different ways of being able to meet that interoperability um, mindset in, in each of the different localities. It can be, um, you know, something that's much more focused on whole person care. Uh, You know, maybe it's an initiative to be able to focus on um, people who are homeless. Uh, It could be initiatives that are very clinical that's driven by hospitals that are in a community that then bring in their, their local clinics um, we have by design more than one Medi-Ca- Medi-Cal managed care plan in each of our geographies, which also then kind of moves into a whole other round of, um, you know, additional stakeholders that need to be at the table. So I guess I've been at this for a really long time. Um, in fact, I started my career working with one of the first uh, HIEs in the country in Santa Barbara. Um, that was really kind of the the blueprint for what we see in much around in other states. And in California, we just really haven't been able to get um, all of the stakeholders aligned at the same time. I think that's when I look back on it. And now that we have the state, um, the state and, you know, and all of the state departments, you know, coming from at the top level, being able to pull all of those different stakeholders together that are, um, that are wearing a state hat. I think yeah. we're now kind of getting closer to be able to getting getting something done that's bringing all you know bringing everybody up to the same level across across all the geographies. 
that said, your answer is what does the landscape look like? We have um, HIEs that are up and down the state. We have a large one in, in LA called Lanes. Mm-hmm. We have a large um, presence in Northern California among multiple different HIEs. And then we have another statewide HIE, Manifest Medics, that covers multiple different geographies. And then what we have is these governance entities too that use different and white label different different technologies. Um, and those governance en- entities are much more local. It's all over the board. So there's a lot of good infrastructure in place. And it's just, in a large part, it's going to be a matter of just kind of stitching this all up together. I think, yeah, I like using the analogy that we need to all play in the same sandbox. Yeah. And, you know, we're at a good moment, too, because in the early days of HIEs, it was primarily just about EHR data and, and clinical notes. And, you know, now there's the philosophy has changed. And now it's much more about, you know, integrating public health and social determinants and, you know, getting all of that together into one big ecosystem. Is that a fair way to put it? Absolutely. And as we uh, pull together our policy priorities and the types of programming that we do with the coalition, we are focused, very focused on two priority use cases. Uh, one being our Medi-Cal transformation work. It's called Cal-AIM Cal in um, California. And a part of that is, you know, all the work that's been done over the several years around whole person care and bringing that kind of all the health data along with the clinical data. So that that is definitely a priority. And whenever we really talk about data exchange, I like going right down into that use case or how, who are the stakeholders? How do I exchange? What am I exchanging? And does this data sharing agreement kind of meet the need? And then the other is public health. I think all of us recognize how flat-footed we were and are still um, with the pandemic response. And we can use that use case over and over and over again to be able to demonstrate and showcase all the holes that we have with our data sharing. Um, If I could, I could just give you one that's been really personal to me because of another project that we work with, with the California Department of Public Health. And we are um, looking at the equitable distribution of COVID-19 treatment, which in many cases for the, the, is prescribed as Paxlovid. We don't know whether or not we are having equitable distribution of Paxlovid as a treatment possibility, as treatment across the board. Um, we know where it is and where it's being distributed, but that's about it. You know, it's a real high level inventory. And we all know that work in this industry that we can do better. Um, so I always like to point to super, very simple crystallized use cases that we need to solve it. And, uh, you know, I know that we've got enough folks around the table, we can do that. Uh, Yeah, the pandemic certainly, you know, exposed a lot of uh, holes and weaknesses, you know, nationwide across, you know, data sharing. And in California, too, another aspect is is all the natural disasters you guys unfortunately have to deal with, you know, fires and earthquakes and and flooding. And, you know, I mean, that HIEs are are crucial in in situations like those uh, as well. Absolutely. And I think it's also the pandemic brought to light the work of virtual care, too, with telehealth. And I think that's where... Um, we were really focused on how do we highlight the need for more virtual care when we were going through our fires, um, you know, knock on wood, not as much right now, um, and, and, and other disaster preparedness. Um, but telehealth is another great use case of needing to have, you know, that at your fingertips, your medication history and other clinical history in order to better prescribe. 
And that is, uh, you know, that's another really, I think, key use case that of why we need better data sharing. So how would you, you know, grade the efforts, you know, progress so far and, and how much support are you getting from the state? I mean, it's, it, this is not just an unfunded mandate, right? You're getting some some funding. From- it's fairly unfunded. Yeah. I think that's a, there is a big push uh, last year, or I guess this legislative year to be able to, uh, you know, make some dollars available for incentives. And we have some really great bright lights in the state of our managed care plans that have in place, um, if you if you sign up with an HIE and you are actively sharing your data, you're rewarded through a quality incentive program. And we we think that you know programs like that are they work. You know they provide they get the the the, the investment that's needed in order to onboard to different um, HIE and data sharing platforms. But it needs to be done, you know, in a size of California, it's um, it needs to be done at scale. Mm-hmm. So I think the state really needs to think through how are they going to support providers with this mandate? Um, we would like to see additional funding. There's there's some at the edges. There's some equity funding that um, our DHCS, which is our Medi-Cal um, Medicaid program, has that will be rolled out over five years. But there's a lot more that can be done. That'll be it. That'll, I think, be a big piece of the legislation and or at least policy discussion that we will be having as a priority over the next several months. Um, Yeah, no question. I mean, this is a big, hugely uh, complex task. You know, we've talked about policy, we've talked about funding, you know, technology, you know, workforce. What are some of the challenges that you guys have been dealing with? And and are you ultimately ultimately confident that you'll get there in, in 2024? Yeah, I'm thinking that's in terms of the grading. Um, we really would like to see a robust governance structure in place. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's more of an appointed or a volunteer basis of stakeholders who are asked and are raising their hands to participate you know, in some of the decision making. But we do want to see a governance uh, entity that is uh, overseeing this work you know, not only making sure that we're keeping the state the state on task, but also that it's fair, um, you know, fair, equitable, and putting the patient first in many of this. And I would say the provider as well. Mm-hmm. You know, much we might we we always kind of tend to kind of think about being very patient centric, but I think in our work we learn to be very provider centric too. That if we do this right we will ultimately ease a lot of the burdens that we're putting on providers. You know, with the the work of meaningful EHR use, um, we didn't quite get to the finish line there of being able to make sure that we got to all the data sharing priorities. So this is our opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, especially going through the pandemic, there's so much overburden in our healthcare workforce. I think this is something that we should be doing to be able to help the workforce be better, or we can help them be better. Will this be a heavy lift for most providers or are most of them kind of already kind of hooked up with some sort of state, you know, regional HIE across the state? So they're, they're familiar with, you know, the needed. Um... Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And no, it's a heavy lift, Yeah, um, especially for those providers that, um, you know, are that really long tail in you know not as organized as the as many of our providers are there's you know an 80% tail that will then have to really start thinking about how they're going to comply you know i i do think that there is such great utility in the regional health information exchanges that will help them do that yeah 
but it's being able to be able to build that trust. And, you know, and then also we all know this, that they're kind of at the mercy of their electronic health record. So how do we help like, you know, build this interoperability inside the EHR and not, you know, and it's as easy as turning it on mm-hmm. versus going through multiple months, IT implementation that could cost, you know, multiple number number of dollars. And um, many of those smaller providers, again, are at the EHR mercy. And, and I just don't like seeing that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. And, and is it all providers? I mean, is it just hospitals and, and you know, outpatient providers? Or is it long-term post-acute care and, and nursing, skilled nursing and all that? I mean, are they all part of this as well? It's all providers. Um, there is a carve-out for some small providers, less than 25, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yes, and in fact... There's mention of social care as well. And many social care providers do not have access to secure HIPAA electronic health records. I think a lot of us are, um, you know, really in the trenches there too, to help think through how many of these community-based organizations that do such of the heavy lifting are able to participate and also get access to this needed data in a secure way. Um, without having again to go through, uh, you know, a large EHR procurement that they're just not going to do, right. um, and that's what we're looking through across many different state state states have I think are a little ahead of us there, where there's portals and and different ways of being able to have give access to those that need um, access to that to that whole patient record, um, you know that that is uh, secure and also private the privacy rules are there to to guide it. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were looking to other states for, you know, perspective or tips and tricks on, on how to kind of get some of the stuff up and running. Always. And I think that's the place and space that we're making with the coalition. We bring, we meet on a um, every other week basis, and we're constantly looking for where, again, are those bright lights um, that we can learn from and be able to bring here. And I think part of what the work that we're doing that's so instrumental to our success is bringing the, you can do this, it can be done attitude to our state leadership. You know, they're not on their own. There's multiple roadmaps that are out there from other states that we can learn from. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that tremendous of a task. I'm just keep putting each foot forward and we're showing them how to do that. Good. Um, so, you know, we're, we're a year and a half out basically from 2020. Is there, what's the date in 2024? Is it just, um, uh, January 1st, but it's also, um, January 1st, 2023 is when the data sharing agreement is supposed to be signed. So we have just okay. a few months of being able to get the word out. I think there's, we just, our call was today actually, where we were kind of taking the temperature on whether or not stakeholders are even aware of the data sharing agreement. I think we've got to do a tremendous amount of education, provide technical assistance, um, you know, really make sure that we're getting questions answered. You know, is this, as you've said earlier, is this, is it really a big deal or, you know, is it a big deal? <laughs> I think we don't know. Um, but we, we have a lot more communication to do throughout the state to be able to make sure that, you know, the stakeholders that are going to be signers are signing. What are some of the questions you're hearing, you know, in these mm-hmm. areas? So again, we just had this conversation. I think um, <laughs> this is really funny, but somebody brought up that there's not a signature 
um, you know, signature place on the on the data sharing agreement. Right. I mean, little things like that that are very meaningful. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's just a, one example. It's like let's get real about it. Um, there's some there's it does go further than in some of the privacy areas um, and security areas than what we generally see with HIPAA. So they, there's some concern there. Um, there, there is not uh, specific standards that are pointed to. I think that's what's going to come into these uh, policies and procedures. I think there's that little bit of chicken and the egg. Uh, I'm signing something, but I don't quite know a hundred percent of what I'm signing, what I'm signing, and what I'm going to be asked to do. Uh, so we've again, we've got a lot of work to do to be able to get the de- get to the details. But generally, most folks are on board and get the importance of this and are are you know committed to uh, to, to signing on. Yeah, I think so. I think the larger organizations that have been kind of following this from the day one um, have engaged their legal team already and have been providing a lot of feedback in the process. I think it's getting that 80% that we're going to really have to get to. All right. Um, anything big that I haven't asked you that you think is worth pointing out before uh, before we wrap up today? Yeah, I, I guess in terms of our um, programming with the coalition, um, yeah, I invite your listeners to check us out. Uh, we are a really big tent. We love voices and diverse voices. And uh, again, not just a California purview, but all getting that those stakeholders that have this is where it's worked other places, be able to also be able to contribute to the conversation. Um, and then also we are planning more on the ground workshops. Last year, we did three webinars that we highlighted how HIE can be and um, data exchange can be really um, instrumental to being able to be successful in public health, as we've already discussed. But we're planning for this fall is getting more on the ground um, community-based organizations to talk to us about whether or not this data sharing agreement really works for them. So using, again, homelessness as an example, or we've been working with um, WIC organizations, women and children, you know, there's so much data sharing that has to happen in order to make these social services successful is does this data sharing agreement and does the construct and the governance that we're talking about with the data sharing framework meet their needs? And I think we'll be able to get that get that kind of really robust discussion on the ground, um, like I call it on the ground, but in real real world use cases, and then be able to throw that back to the state so that we can kind of provide that feedback. Um, but that's where we're going next, and I'm excited about it because it's we need we need to be able to make sure that it meets their needs. Absolutely. Well, this has been terrific. This is really important work you're doing. I wish you luck as you uh, continue you. for the months ahead. Thank you so much. Thanks for having having us on. Thanks, Timmy. And thanks, right. of course, to the audience for listening to this episode of Hymnscast. We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We'll see you next time. <laughs>